Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. So today we are going to be uh, really quickly finishing up our uh, Essentials series that we have been in, and then we're going to, you can obviously, you're at tables, we're going to have actually some discussion questions. Today is a little bit different because it is the uh, Life Group's open house, and this is something new that we've never done before. And what we're trying to do today, we believe so strongly in Life Groups. We talk about it all the time, but the thing is, is that one of our core values is relationships first, and another one of our core values is dig deeper. Life groups is where we mesh both of them together, where we want to come together in relationships with each other, to grow, to realize that we're not alone, to have people we can share our burdens with, celebrate our joys together with, but at the same time, the Bible also makes it super clear that we grow in faith together as we uh, discuss and we wrestle with, and so our life groups are a place for you to ask questions. It's a place for you to hear something that maybe I say on a Sunday morning, And you're like, what the heck does that even mean? Or that's really hard for me. Or I don't know that I agree with that. Or I'm not sure how I can. I want to get there, but I'm not there. And then you bring that to life groups and you get to talk about that same thing and be honest with other people. And you might just find someone else who feels the same way. Or maybe someone who has already walked through that and found a way through it where you haven't. And so that's the power of life groups. And so what we wanted to do on a Sunday morning was once a quarter we're going to be doing these where we come together in, in a situation just like this, where we give everybody an opportunity to, to, to experience one, and then if they're not already a part of a life group, to jump in and join. So that's the whole purpose of today. So I'm going to have a real short message, and then we're going to have some discussion questions uh, that will come together, and it's going to be really good. So um, we're finishing up today our series, in, uh, Essentials, which uh, is really asking the question, what are the essential building blocks of a relationship with God? And we've, so far this month, we've talked about the first essential building block is new identity. It's that when we say yes to Jesus and begin a relationship with Christ, what happens is, is that God says, you are not that person anymore. All your failures, all your mistakes, all your sin, all of it's been wiped away, and you're now called a child of God. You're my son, you're my daughter, and I look at you as a new person, you're a new creation, and you're given like new clothes, completely new clean clothes. That's the beauty of a new identity. But then it doesn't stop there. We talked about the next essential building block is what I call 360 degree discipleship. And that's the idea of like, if you like you purchase an old classic car, but then it needs to be restored. So every day, every month, you're kind of fixing it up and repairing it. And that's the process of discipleship is restoring each of us. God is working on us in our lives to help bring us back to our original design, our intent. Last week, we talked about the Holy Spirit. We called it Holy Spirit Assist. And the idea with that is that we learn that God has given us the Holy Spirit to act as like a fuel for the discipleship process and to assist us in living our journey of faith. The big idea of last week's message was that the Holy Spirit assists us in living our faith to the fullest. And so it's there, the Holy Spirit lives within us to help us to be able to to live out our faith, to overcome sin, to to know what to do, to protect us, to guide us. Well, this week we're going to finish by talking about the last essential building block, and that is the hallmark, ultimately, of what how people know that we're a Christian, and that's called living for others. So um, this is something that's really hard for us, living for other people, because it is the last thing that we naturally think about. In fact, I was thinking about babies uh, this week, 
Um, actually, I was just at Thanksgiving, and I was at my uh, brother and sister-in-law's house in Virginia, and they have two little ones. They have a baby who's about, I think, six months old, and then they have a two-year-old daughter. And at the Thanksgiving dinner table, we're all enjoying a nice meal. Everyone's eating their turkey and their, their stuffed uh, mashed potatoes and the, you know, all the delicious food. And down at the end is little Elias, the baby. And when he wants something, he lets you know it, right? He starts screaming and yelling, doesn't have any, uh, any sort of consideration for anyone else. He wants something, he gets it. In the middle of the night, we're all sleeping, and he's yelling and screaming, right? How many of you have ever seen babies or kids, and then they, they say the word mine? Any parents in the room who hear the word mine? How many times have you ever, had a, ever heard your baby or a kid say no all the time, right? This is what's called egocentric, and this is part of the development process of kids. Something's interesting about, about babies and children particularly is they're so egocentric. They only see the world from their own perspective, so much so that when you actually play peekaboo with them or when you close their eyes, they think that you don't exist anymore. That's the idea of egocentric is that they see the world from within themselves and all they see is from their own perspective. So even when you close your eyes, the baby's eyes, they think you're gone. Now the reason we're talking about that is because the problem is, is that we really don't grow out of this as adults. We just get more polite about it, right? We, we still see the world, each of us naturally still see the world from our own perspective and what will benefit and or protect ourselves. I mean, I think all of us do. The way that we manage our money, the way that we spend our time, right? We always naturally think about how is this going to benefit me or is this going to hurt me in the process, right? We just get a little bit better at, at portraying it to people by being kind or polite about it, right? We, we say, no, I really can't come out uh, today. I have to wash my hair, right? Like, that's a joke. But I mean, obviously we find nicer ways instead of screaming. Some of us still scream and make throw temper tantrums. But generally speaking, we have this tendency to see things from our own perspective, and what will benefit or protect ourselves. It's like self-promotion and self-preservation. But here's the rub, is that the calling on our lives as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is to put that perspective aside and to live for others. It's an essential building block. In fact, it comes out of Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. If you have your Bibles with you or your smartphones or tablets, open your Bible app. I encourage you to get that on the Apple or the Apple Store or the Google Play Store, wherever you get your apps. The Bible app is uh, seriously a tool that will get, make the Bible available to you at any time. The book of Philippians, chapter 2. This is in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul was writing to a church in a city called Philippi. And this is where we get this idea from. Among other places, we're going to explore various scriptures today about living for others. It says this in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Well, right there, he's calling into question the way that we naturally act. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. So like right away, Paul is saying, look, the way that the world operates is not how you should operate as a follower of Jesus. In fact, he says this in verse 4, everyone should look out not only for his own interests, which is something we're really good at, but... Also for the interests of others. Now at the risk of being called a socialist, um, this is right out of the Bible. And it's not so much saying that every person has to have the same, but what it is saying is that as a follower of Christ, we are not allowed. It's just not able to be. This is If you're called a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, we are commanded to think about other people just as much as we think about ourselves. And this is incredibly challenging, right? Because just like babies... Or just like, you know, even adults, all of us, I work for a living. 
I have to work 40 hours and now the money I get in my paycheck, I want to use for what I want to use it for. I don't want to have to think about someone else, right? This is the challenge. But Jesus and the Apostle Paul and all throughout the scriptures, we actually see that we're called to live for others. And so it's not going to happen by itself. Like it's not going to be an accident. We're not going to just because we're Christians and now all of a sudden be thinking about other people. This is a daily decision that we have to make. And this is the process of discipleship is making the decision, choosing to lay down our lives, and it requires a change of thinking. So what does living for others look like? If we're going to be, this is an essential building block of our faith, what does it look like to live for others? Well, I would say the first and foremost thing is that living for others means being cross-centered. Cross-centered. Check this out. In Matthew chapter 16, This is now the words of our Savior, the one that we claim to be a follower of. This is what he says in Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25. He says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anybody wants to follow after me, anyone, so if anybody wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life is going to lose it. So whoever wants to hold on to things, whoever wants to keep all of his stuff, whoever wants to grab as much as possible is going to lose his life. But whoever loses his life, whoever gives it away because of me will find it. So the mark of a disciple is cross-bearing. So if we're going to call ourselves followers of Jesus, we don't have the luxury of saying, well, I'm going to be like everybody else. I'm going to keep what's mine. I worked for it. It's all about me. I'm going to just take my own time. I deserve this. That is not part of the Christian language. In reality, what Jesus has modeled and what we're called to do is to lay our lives down, to bear our crosses, to lay our lives down. Jesus said that laying down our lives is the only way to truly find life, to find true life. And that's that's like a paradigm shift for us. That's why I said it's a, it's a change of mindset. We have to think differently. Bearing our crosses. My life is not about me. That's the Jesus way. Whatever it takes to be like Jesus and give him first place in my life, that's what it means to be cross-centered. Now, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, talks about a little bit what does it mean to be cross-centered. Check this out. In Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. So, in other words, again, we need to be thinking like him the way he taught us. Who existed in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. In other words, Jesus existed from the very beginning of time, and yet he said, I'm not going to come down to earth and act like God. I'm going to act like people and show them what it's like to be like a person who is living for God. Instead, verse 7, he emptied himself completely poured out himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, and here's the key to this, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. So we're told to adopt the same attitude as Jesus, and at the end of the verse, what do we see that he did? He gave his life up so much so that he became obedient to the point of death. So if the mark of a disciple of Jesus is cross-bearing, that means willingly laying down our lives. We have a cross-centered lifestyle. That's what we're called to be. And this is hard. This is challenging so much so it's like it's an essential building block. These are commands. Like reading these scriptures, it's not like, well, if you feel like it or if, if the opportunity arises, 
Like Jesus himself said, if anyone wants to be my follower, he has to deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And then the Apostle Paul says, adopt the same attitude as Christ and be willing to the point of death. Like that's crazy. And that's hard. And if you're in the room today and you're like, I don't know that I'm willing to die for my faith right now. Look, there's no judgment here, okay? Because I get that. What we are saying that this is the process of discipleship, that every day we're saying, God, you've saved me. You've given me grace. You know, you've forgiven me. You've shown me mercy. You're transforming me. You're changing my life. And I want to be willing. I want to get there, but I don't know if I'm there yet. And just taking the step. That's our model of, of the value of dig deeper. It means what's the next step for you? Don't look 10 miles down the road. Don't look 10 years down the road. If you see somebody in your life right now who is like a, a, a mentor in your faith or somebody who's like really like, you know, wow, like I, I'm not there yet. Like I'm not, they would be, they would literally give their life for Jesus right now, but I'm not there yet. Don't look at them and be like, don't, don't put shame or guilt on yourself. Instead, recognize that your step might just be saying, I'm not there yet and say, but I want to be and take a step. I'm not saying you're going to have to give up your life for Christ. It could be something as small as you see someone, a co- your coworker or a family member over the holidays, bad-mouthing your faith or perhaps saying something that's wrong. Perhaps part of bearing a cross is representing Jesus when it's hard. It doesn't mean giving up your life only. Bearing the cross means I'm laying down my life in whatever circumstance is required. You understand? That's what we're talking about. So what does a cross-centered life look like? And real quickly, I just want to give... Three pieces, three points to this. What does a cross-centered life look like? It's about giving yourself away. Giving yourself away. And we would call that generosity. And the reason that we that I'm saying generosity, I want you to know this, is that most people, when they hear the word generosity, they think that means giving money away. And that's part of it. But generosity actually means giving away something with gladness, with an open hand. And that's what Jesus did. He emptied himself poured himself out willingly, generously, and gave everything he had. So for us to be cross-centered means giving ourselves away. And there are three areas that I want to hit real quickly. Number one is give away your time. You give away your time. Our time is a valuable currency that God is asking us to spend with consideration to those around us who need it. And this is hard. For those of us who are really busy, giving of our time might be more valuable than our money. It might be easier for us to open up our wallets and give money to the church or to give money to a nonprofit organization, but it's more valuable for us in our calendar to give a time slot away to go have coffee or to have someone over for dinner or to go to a baseball game with someone. But Jesus spent his time giving away his time in his life. In fact, there are multiple occasions where Jesus was going to spend time with his buddies and then the people came around him and he stopped doing what he was going to do and ended up ministering to the people. We actually see Jesus, who had plans to take a little vacation, and instead got interrupted and willingly gave away his time and fed 5,000 people. So one of the things we're called to do is to give away our time. And here's what happens. When we give our time away generously, we are living the heart of God who says that we never run out of time with him. I love that. That no matter what happens, we never run out of time with God. There's never that. And so for us to give away our time reflects his heart that it's never too late for someone and so we're called to give away our time living a cross-centered life means giving away our time number two living a cross-centered life means giving away your talents you know god has gifted you and i believe that every one of you in the room right now you're thinking to yourself what am i gifted with i can't play guitar like aaron i can't preach like jared but you know what 
There are all sorts of talents or gifts or passions or skills that God has placed in each one of you. For some of you, it's just a smile that you have. You have a way to light up a room. For some of you, you're very warm and welcoming. You're like attractional kind of person and you're always pulling people into a room. For some of you, you like to cook. For some of you, you're really good with technology. For some of you, it's music. For some of you, there's all sorts of different ways, right? God has gifted you. And when we invest in others, the world around us gets better. The problem is, is that most of us keep what we have and we don't give it willingly to other people. We don't participate in the body of Christ, right? And when we don't do that, we look around and we see how darkness is encroaching in our neighborhoods or in our or even in our church at times, frustrations or whatever. Whatever it is, if we use our talents to glorify God, whether it's at church or in our communities or our workplace, whenever we invest in the world around us with our time, with our talents, the world around us gets better because the light pushes back the darkness. And so the most practical way to do that at our church is through our dream team. That's what the dream team is all about. Each person saying, I'll be a part of the body. And I'll serve on a Sunday morning. I'll help set up or I'll play in the worship team or I'll run sound or the lights or I'll, I'll say hello to someone at the door or I'll set up the cafe or I'll you know, work with our kids and teach them about Jesus or watch babies or whatever or put out signs. There's all sorts of things. All of it creates a pathway for people to meet Jesus. That's why we call it the dream team is because you are participating in help bringing God's dream for this city to life. And so when you give away your talents... In the name of Jesus, you're helping make the world around you a better place. So a cross-centered life looks like giving yourself away through your time, giving away your talents, and finally, giving away your treasure. Giving away your treasure. And this is about giving generously in the way that we think of generosity. It's opening our hand with the resources that God has given us. It's about the tithe. We talk about the tithe on Sunday mornings of saying, I'm putting God first with my finances. And this is a tough topic because nobody likes to be told where they should put their money. But the reality is, is that everything that we have, God has given us. And so giving of our tithes to his chosen mechanism, the church, to reach the world, what that does is it allows us to be generous with everything else. With this Saturday, we're going to the cookie mall, right? And the supplies that are purchased come out of the giving that you have given in your offerings, right? The ability for us to rent this facility, the ability for us to do these outreaches that we do, to send missionaries money, to be able to plant churches around the country, all of that is made possible because of your tithes, because of your giving. So give generously and honor God with the first of your finances. And here's what I mean by that. You could say, well, doesn't a certain amount of money matter? God always looks at the heart. And so what my wife and I do, before we pay any bills, we look at the amount of money that God has given us in that paycheck and we pay our tithes first because it's a heart matter. I want to tell God that my finances are given by him, and I honor him by paying our tithes first. And what I'm doing by that is, yes, it's the same amount of money, but I believe that my heart attached to it matters more. That I'm saying, God, I'm giving this to you willingly, I'm putting you first. And by putting him first, I believe that God blesses that. So honor God with the first year of finances. He owns everything, and we are just stewards of what he has blessed us with. So, I encourage you, in order for us to live the essential building block of, of um, my goodness, I just lost my train of thought, of living for others means to be cross-centered and giving away our lives, give away our time, let's give away our talents, and give away our treasure. And if you're taking notes, let's finish with this idea. The big idea is this. We live for others because Jesus died for us. We live for others because Jesus 
died for us. We're laying down our lives because Jesus laid down his life for us. And so this is challenging. It's hard. I recognize that it's difficult. But it's something that we need to work towards every day. Right? The beauty of our faith is that, yes, we're made a new creation. And that all the old is gone, but the new has come. But discipleship is the process of becoming like Jesus. And the highest calling of every one of us as a Christian is to be willing to give up our lives for other people. Because that's what Jesus did. That's hard, for sure. But the Holy Spirit has been sent to assist us in that, to give us strength, to guide us in it. And when it's hard, to remind us to say, hey, this is one of those opportunities. So this week, maybe... You might have an opportunity you might have missed before. And perhaps the Holy Spirit's going to whisper and poke you in the, in the heart and say, this is one of those moments where in the past you've chosen yourself. You didn't even consider the other person in the room, whether it be with your finances, how you're spending it. Maybe it's even your time. Maybe someone sends you a text message and says, can we get coffee this week? And you're like, I just want to go home. Or maybe whatever it might be for you. Perhaps your wife is not feeling well and, or, you know, or, or is just really busy and you don't want to do the dishes. But perhaps laying down your life this week is is saying, I'm going to clean the house, right? There could be a million different ways, whatever it might be. But this week, let's take into consideration, what is it, God, that I can do to lay down my life for others so that other people can see Jesus? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.